What's up, tribe? I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. And this is Good Moms Bad Choices Podcast. Beach. Season two. If you joined us for season one, you got 300 uncensored episodes. But things are a little different in 2024. Not only are we having new guests, new segments, but we're going outside, y'all. We're getting out of our studio and podcasting in the wild. So make sure you check us out on YouTube to see where we're headed next. This podcast is for all the good moms, all the good dads. And even y'all who ain't got no kids, pull up. Join us in season two as we deep dive into even more uncensored topics like love, sex, dating, and just look at this as the ultimate group chat. All the shit you're afraid to say out loud or even try, we say it and do it for you. Because nothing's off limits here. This is a judgment-free zone to show up exactly as you are. And let's be honest, we've all made a few bad choices. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. is always late. <sighs> Surprise! Hi. Surprise! Happy Valentine's Happy Day! Valentine's Day. So cute! Are we the same? We are. I love you. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for my flowers. Match my red dress. Did you? <laughs> Come on. Ready to eat? I am so ready to Let's eat. eat. You're late. Come on. Mm. Only the best soul food in February for you, baby. My black queen. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to Good Moms, Bad Choices. I'm Erica. And I'm Mila. Happy fucking Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, tribe. So if you are listening right now, you might want to check us out on YouTube because we are in the wild again. We are out of the office, and this time we came to Harold and Bell's, which is a black-owned restaurant in LA that we love, love, love. And what better way to celebrate Valentine's Day than eating some motherfucking Creole soul food? Right, not only is Valentine's Day, it's Black History Month, so you know we gotta get all black owned good shit. And um, our good friends here at Harlem Bells let us let me come take my wife on a Valentine's Day because you know we like that VIP shit, we in the back and shit. Only the best for my lady. <laughs> Thank you. I know Mila called me and was like, "Bitch, we're going to dinner. You need to dress up, so look cute." And I was like, "Okay, hold on." And you know, I had a little pushback because it's not in the valley. You know, Valley girls very, very rarely rear over the hill. But when I tempted her with fried chicken and gumbo, she was on the whiz egg. So yes. thank you for joining me, my love. Where else would I be? On Valentine's Day, right? Except I, with your wife. Exactly, yeah. Um, this episode is all about love and friendship and, you know, loving on your friends. I think we forget to love on our friends because we love on our niggas. <laughs> we're, getting, we're wasting all the love on the niggas. Or bitches. <laughs> or bitches, mm-hmm. you know, whoever you, you're romantically involved with. But, you know, I I wanted to remind you how much I love you and, you know, just treat you real nice and special and do something kind for you so that we can take time to talk without business, without the hoorah. 
and you know hang out and shit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's it's a it was a beautiful reminder because I think often we do forget. Like we always are like brunching or like that's your girl date, right? But like when you have a really intentional day where it's like, hey, I want to have one-on-one -on -one time with you and I want to celebrate our friendship. It's like not something that we, I think, do a lot with our friends. We just like, yeah, bitch, let's just go have some drinks and we'll talk about those niggas over the drinks. So we might do that today, but because <laughs> we are bitches. <laughs> um, but I just, I just love being able to spend time with you because I think in 2023, so much of our alone time was about business. And I think we're like reining our friendship back in to remind ourselves, wait, hold on, let's cut the business talk yeah. and let's just talk about, well, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Are you happy? Are you good? Yeah. Um, so. I am. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm good. Okay, good. I know, but I think it's true. I, I, not all best friends are also in business with each other, which has been um, quite the learning curve. But um, it does require that we do it with intention. Mm -hmm. And remember, like, yeah, I think most of 2023, 89% of our conversations were beginning and ending with business mm -hmm. and what yeah. we needed to do. And I think it's important to just slow down and remember what's important, you know, because business is always going to be there. But our friendship requires nurturing. You know, we call our friendship an entity because when we met, something otherworldly took place and so it does require that it's nurtured absolutely well cheers to that my dear oh cheers so you know i wanted to bring you here i brought i drug you all the way from the valley but um <laughs> I wanted you to meet the owner of this restaurant, Ryan Legault, and tell you a little bit about Harold Bells, and tell you all about Harold Bells because this is a landmark. Hi, Ryan. Hello, ladies. How's it going? Good. Hey, I have some fried mushrooms for you guys. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, some catfish nuggets, of Yes. Course. Mm. Thank you. Come have a seat with us for a minute. I'll I appreciate you letting you know letting us come here, bringing my wife. I'm glad to have you guys. <laughs> I haven't been here a in a long. It is it is a very special day. Um, I haven't been here in a long time, but I used to come here when I was a little girl. My dad used to come pull up and bring me, so I know it's been here for a long time. Tell us about the restaurant. All right. So what you said that's a familiar story because it's generational. Started in 1969. The area itself, Jefferson Park, this was like the settling ground for people coming to California from New Orleans in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. So. My grandparents were part of that migration, so to speak, along with uh, a bunch of their friends and families. And what they wanted was they wanted a place similar to New Orleans where they could come hang out and gather, you know. It wasn't a restaurant then when it first started. The food was like kind of an after It was really a spot to drink, to play cards, uh, to bet horses, and they, there was pool tables and jukebox and go-go dancers and things like oh, that. Wow. So it's definitely evolved over the years. Um, but that's how, that's how it started. Um, and it's been a family affair ever since, so this is uh, year number 54. Wow, so you inherited this place. Uh, you know, there was a financial transaction involved. <laughs> what? Uh, it wasn't just my parents, they had business partners also, you know. So in, in the 80s they did a really big uh, expansion, you know. So there was other business partners involved other than my family. Um, so there's you know, some real estate and some business and other things, you know, all kind of wound it. So uh, inherit, I uh, was in first position, I'd say, but you know, a business deal still had to occur. Basically, you had to you had to pay too. 
<laughs> is there anything on the menu that has been on the menu from like the very beginning? Yeah, uh, gumbo, of course. Um, gumbo, fried shrimp, fried catfish, oyster po' boys, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I don't know if you noticed up front in the restaurant, there is the original menu up there right now. We're talking like shrimp po' boys for 75 cents. Ooh, for a dollar a dream. Like Damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, times have changed. <laughs> um, you were just telling us how the city of Los Angeles just made this area officially, what was it? Uh, New Orleans Corridor. So what that story I just told you, that they made it official this year by designating um, Jefferson Boulevard from where we are, Jefferson and 10th Avenue, down to the Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church, which was everyone's first church, those people moving from New Orleans, very strong Catholic tradition. It was everyone's first choice, or our first church when they moved to, to LA. Mm, wow. I didn't realize like the culture of like specifically like Creole people. Neither did I. It was so strong in LA. I mean, I knew that there was like a migration that happened from the South because of like the in, like industrialism and stuff and business, like uh, jobs opportunities opening up. But I didn't realize specifically like New Orleans people were, you know, right here in this area. Yeah, I don't know how this street in particular ended up being it. It had, may have had something to, to do with the church, but yeah, um, 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, they were they were here and they were coming in, in ways. My, my grandfather came uh, post-World War II when he was in the Navy, and uh, he had a series of jobs and businesses before starting this. He was kind of like a serial entrepreneur, so he had a, a Texaco franchise down the street, he had a painting business, and he had a bike shop, and this was, you know, like the, the fourth or fifth one that he had. And, like I said, this was just like a, a joint. It was not a restaurant, you know? Um, is food something that's been like prevalent in your family? I mean, obviously everyone eats, but it's, it's cooking in the house. Yeah, you know, in New Orleans, it's, you know, it's, it's a part of life, you know? Right. Uh, and a lot of times, it's men, men doing a lot of the cooking, which is different uh, than other cultures. I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, the, the women don't cook either, but I've, I've felt like it's been a larger portion of, of men in, in these Louisiana households doing some of the cooking. That's funny that you say that because my dad cooks in my household. Like in my house growing up, my dad cooked. And even now in my household, like my boyfriend cooks. And I was like, I, I, we get this image that women are always the ones cooking and cleaning, but I haven't really experienced that. And I'm just thinking like the influx of just like the migration of how people came in and how food was introduced to America's and like how much we've influenced American cuisine and like, just even lies we've been told that women be in the kitchen. Right. Men have been prominently cooks in that, like you know, in restaurants. And also, I think probably after like slavery, they were like, "Let me give you a break. <laughs> Let me actually get in here and do some shit." Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's interesting. So is Harold your grandfather and Bell your grandmother? Uh, yeah, my dad was also named Harold, also, but yeah, the original Harold and Bell, uh, Mary Bell, was my grandmother. Okay. Wow, well, I love the history. I can't wait to dig into this food. It looks delicious. Yes, I'm um, excited. Thank you. These are uh, tried and true uh, recipes over the, over the years. What would you say is like your top? Like, what are the people? What are the people thing, things that people always come back for? Gumbo, mm -hmm. fried catfish, mm. crawfish etouffee, mm. shrimp bow boys, uh, beignets, and bread pudding. I didn't know they had bread pudding. We're getting beignets, beignets. <laughs> bitch. What fast, bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta go smoke a blunt in the parking lot to make more room, <laughs> but it's happening. Thank you so, so, so much. I'm excited to, to dig in. You're welcome. You're welcome. Happy to have you guys here.
That was lovely. This food is lovely. I know. I'm so grateful to be in this space, this black-owned, family-owned landmark space, and hear the history is really beautiful. I know. I think we forget like the that black people in America is relatively recently, mm. and just remember to actually like investigate the history of where you are and how you got there because honestly it's so divine you know when i think about just the divine interventions and meetings of um just people intersecting and creating ideas and birthing businesses that you know withstand the 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 test of time the test of time and they're still here and they're still feeding us like spiritually Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and physically but like even with us you know and like how we got to california by way of our parents and um ryan and the things that we've created in this place and the memories we've created and how it's shaped us i think as black people shout out to february black history month wherever you live investigate how your people got there and who you are and like how the migration of honestly like african chattel slavery has like migrated and impacted the United States so significantly. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been watching this show on Netflix, um, High on the Hog. Mm. Um, Just so you guys know, I'm a fucking foodie. Like, I know I'm 98 pounds, but a bitch eats a lot. Um, And specifically, I like soul food. I can cook soul food really well. Like, I really can throw down. So this is like near and dear to my heart, but just that show really highlights how like, African-Americans have impacted American cuisine so significantly through the slave, you know, that's through slavery. And, you know, just how we've moved out of that and how we've blossomed because I don't think we really take an account from a day-to-day basis sometimes just like, oh shit, my grandmother or my great-grandmother just had privileges and they really like, I know we're figuring out ourselves and figuring out adulthood, but imagine imagine figuring out adulthood while also in the guise of the Jim Crow or like right after slavery when you haven't been able had access to to education and to all these things you know and you just pack your shit up and say we're going to California because I heard there's some jobs Uh uh like it'd be a day days long um you know days and days travel you not really just maybe got a car you know, you may get harassed in between. You can't stay at every hotel. You probably have kids in tow. And the fear, yeah. and then you you show up in a new place and you have to like soil, you know, like you have to like make roots. Mm-hmm. And the, the beautiful things that we've gotten from the strength and the diligence of our ancestors is some real shit. And I think when we can like hone in on that information and investigate that history, it kind of reminds you like why the fuck you're here and how important like your purpose is and whatever it is you do and however you contribute. And like Ryan's family started a little jupe joint so they could like hang out and chill and kick it. Mm-hmm. And it's still here, you know, serving us. So I think it's important, you know, especially in this month, especially all year, just to be curious about all the things and like how you ended up where you're at. And like, imagine your daddy stayed in Texas. Like, what if you were a Texas baby? Who the fuck would you be? Or if I was a Philly baby that stayed in Philly, you know? Right, right. It also, it, when you, as, you were, as you were talking, it was, I was thinking about just the, the grace that, um, we need to extend sometimes to our grandparents, to even our parents, because they are, you know, the result of their parenting and and what those not having the opportunity to 
work on yourself because you're just trying to survive and how that manifests in how they've parented your parents or how they parented your grandparents and how that trickles down and then we say like why the fuck would you treat me this way how could you do this and it's like we're not really taking into consideration the full scope of the trauma of <laughs> being black in america it, it's true and yeah. like the beauty of it is like there's two sides to every coin right like there is significant trauma and there is like this this place where it's like i'm surviving and i'm trying to figure it out and i'm trying to make a way for my family and i'm trying to you know, stay safe and stay alive in a place where everybody really is trying to kill me and make me like, make me less than. And you know, how that trauma builds on and how that contributes to your parenting. I was watching a video yesterday about like, he, a football player, like um, basically reading a letter to his parents, you know, just like how he was yelled at in the morning before school and like how he's changing that in his, you know, with his kids. And so it's true, like the grace you have to give is like, imagine the anger imagine the fear imagine the frustration and the rage uh -huh. living and existing like i can i don't even watch certain movies because i'm too emotional like about a certain period of time unless i'm really mentally prepared for it so imagine living in it and then still having to be kind to your kids uh -huh. and compassionate and soft and and being scared but still having to be brave and being scared and but still moving into neighborhoods where people were literally trying to harass you and getting away with it. And and also like thinking about Ryan and his his great grandparents making this place for play. Right. You know, yeah. still making a place to like we're we're gonna have our place. But what, but inside these walls is our it's, shit. It's this yeah. is our shit. And we're gonna we're gonna commune and we're gonna drink and we're gonna dance and we're gonna celebrate life despite all the bullshit, you know, despite the journey here. And that's really beautiful too. And even like thinking about this place starting here, you know, this new, this, this Los Angeles, um, establishing this place, this side of town as New Orleans quarters or whatever, like from here to the church, how deeply spirituality has served in our community. Mm -hmm. And specifically New Orleans is like a witchy but Catholic place. And you know, the, the intersection of religion and spiritual spiritualism and how like I think it's coming back. Whereas before it was really scary, everything witchy or everything well, it was very separate. There was no there wasn't you weren't allowed to intersect those two things. Well because well but, but I think that's a part of the scheme, the gimmick, right? Because inevitably as a black American, you have your African culture and religion that is probably what we now call label witchy. Or magic, and then we have this the we have this rigid form of Christianity, which was you know nine times out of ten provided to you by your slave owners, and then we've meshed it, and we've covered it in those things, and like just are we coming back to that in general? Like as even us, you know, on this journey in the last six years, like I don't think I mean I think I've always been a witch, but I don't know if I was like out loud self-proclaiming that I'm a witch five years ago, you know. But this journey has kind of and unheveled like this part of me and i think it's just a return to our roots mm -hmm. you know it's like i'm not scared of that like this is actually my shit right but um i just like to give a little toast to our ancestors and to the journey here and our journey here and just the divine um just this divine intervention in our lives that if we honor it can really birth beautiful things that last a really long time mm. Cheers. Cheers. So speaking of witchy shit, it's tarot time, huh? It's tarot time.
<laughs> because we travel with our tarot cards Every everywhere. Now, literally, I have my other my mini pack in my purse over I, there. <laughs> you know, I always say this, but it's also like a party. Oop. Okay, it's also a par- <laughs> it's also like a party trick. Mm. Like, oh, everybody's bored. You want? Oh, I'm Mila. You want to know my? You want to know my? Oh, what I have in my purse? <laughs> um, can you? Get- <laughs> it's like cat crawling under the table. Look at this guy. I love it. Um, but what better place? Do you want these cards? Sure. We'll take those cards. They need to be in the deck. Usually when they. Usually when they fall out. I know you use them. Are you gonna use all all five of those? No. Are those are cards. Those are the cards, and then I'm gonna let you choose one of the five. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. I knew it. Why did you know it? I just knew it. There's an eight of swords. Mm-hmm. Okay, eight of swords. Let's uh-huh. just. I've pulled this one a few different times. This is the season. Mm. <laughs> well, I saw it when it fell, and then I, when you when you laid them out, I was like, I'm gonna get that one. Okay. I just know it. Gonna pull another? No, no. Uh, okay. It's a good one. It's okay. not bad. Okay. So you see the Eight of Swords. Shout out to Mahogany Tarot. And if I remember correctly, um, and we can we should pull up Eddie because I don't remember everything. But um, in the Eight of Swords, there's a woman that's uh, mm. bound, um, and then there's this beautiful castle behind her, and she feels like she doesn't have any options. But all she has to do is untie herself and turn around, and she could be free. But she feels like she's stuck in the confines of whatever situation she's in, and she feels like she's stuck. But really, it's it's a mind shift, and it's really about shifting your mindset and knowing that you have options. Um, yeah. Let me read it now. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, that's what it says. It says negative thoughts, self-imposed restriction, imprisonment, victim mentality. Um, the Eight of Swords reveals that you feel trapped and restricted by your circumstances. Hmm. It's interesting that we were just talking about the circumstances of growing up black in America. Mm-hmm. You believe your options are limited with no clear path out. You might be in an unfulfilling job, an abusive relationship, a significant amount of debt, or a situation way out of alignment with your inner being. You are now trapped between a rock and a hard place with no resolution available. However, take note that the woman in the card is not entirely imprisoned by the Eight of Swords around her, and if she wanted to escape, she could. She merely needs to move blindfold and free herself from the self-imposed bindings that hold her back. When the Eight of Swords appears in tarot reading, it comes as a warning that your thoughts and beliefs are no longer serving you. You may be overthinking things, creating negative patterns, or limiting yourself by only considering the worst case scenario. The more you think about the situation, the more you feel stuck and without any options. It is time to get out of your head and let go of those thoughts and beliefs holding you back. As you change your thoughts, you change your reality. Hmm. Yes, received. I resonate with that. It feels sometimes like you can't get out of fucking situations, but it is. It is always, there is always a brighter side. And like the things that we are usually battling with or that are like suffocating us are generally not that serious. Yes, but you have to make a choice though. And you act, you have to actively change or work on changing your mind. And that's, and that's really uncomfortable. And I think that's why a lot of people get stuck in whatever mind state or whatever state of mind that they're in because it requires you to actually move against whatever 
limiting belief system that's been serving you for however long or not serving you, but it requires you to get uncomfortable. And I think that's often the hardest part and that's why people don't. That's why people get stuck and that's why people continue to, I guess, suffer essentially because there's a short-term suffering that has to occur in order for the mind shift to happen and people aren't willing to just get out of it. Yeah, well, people aren't willing to get uncomfortable and for it to hurt a little bit. Um, we're such in a society that we're always like numbing ourselves down mm. with all different types of things, whether it's drugs, alcohol, television, distraction, relationships. There's a numbing that we've become accustomed to where that's, that's the easier thing. We'd rather do that than actually rip off the Band-Aid and get really uncomfortable for a few months. And I, that's what I was, I was telling my friend that the other day. I was like, you can just, like, if you could just commit to being uncomfortable for six months, it could totally change your fucking life. Just commit to being uncomfortable for six months out of the long-ass life that you are about to live and just see what happens. The thing about numbing yourself is that um, we live in a society that that is the programming. Um, You have to actively fight out of not only the numbing, but the misery, like making the misery a part of your story. You know what I mean? Like we actively live. Your default inner voice is probably negative unless you actively work out of it. Because everything in our programming, everything in our environment is going to tell you you're not good enough, you're not beautiful enough, it's too difficult, it's too far-fetched, it's not possible. Because that's kind of how they want you to feel. Mm -hmm. Because if everybody knew that they were magic, then we'd all be doing everything we need. And that wouldn't really benefit the powers that be. And so I think that like sometimes the the numbing starts early. Because think about it, as a child, you're just like, this big, you know, like you go, you, you, our kids will fucking play out a whole imaginary scene right here and don't give a fuck who's in here. But are we going to do that? Probably not. I mean, kind of. Well, kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, we yeah. <laughs> um, But most people don't have that um, bravery to do that. And it's, it's this revolving door of, of pain. And in and, and Buddhism, they say like, Conflict is, conflict is expected. Suffering is optional. Mm-hmm. Suffering is optional. We're going to feel whatever the, the emotion is that is behind whatever obstacle, but for how long? Mm-hmm. And uh, just generally listen to the way you think and pay attention to how you feel because that's where the numbing comes in, right? Because if you don't pay attention to how you feel, then you're just numb. And also taking into account, like, if we're talking about, too, just, like, the history of our people and, like, the numbing Mm. that we've had to, we've had to, Mm. we've had to enact in order to survive. And then, like, trying to unnumb those parts of you, you don't even know are numb because you've never even known what it is to feel in that space anymore. And I think, like, the beginning of that is really looking at your parents and seeing where are you numbed out? Because nine times out of ten, that's also where you are. And how have how how have I adopted that? Right. Because even if you don't fuck with your parents, if you were raised with them, you are inevitably adopting. That's what I'm saying. Their, like, their, if, their right. However, they are numbed out. You need to evaluate if that's how you are as well. Because nine times out of ten, yeah, probably. Or sometimes instead of doing that we go the total opposite right like we go the total extreme like our parents totally neglected us and now like as parents we are helicopter ass parents over our children because we were so neglected as children so it's like investigating and then understanding how this is showing up in my life in my body in my relationships 
and then changing it and then and then being okay and knowing that the change requires time knowing that it requires patience practice practice and pain pain it's going to be uncomfortable i was telling erica um, recently it, luna was like doing something and i was like give me a hug come give me a hug and orlando was like please and i was like shut the fuck up like i've just burped this person came out of my pussy so you need to shut the fuck up about when i'm demanding hugs <laughs> And I told him that later, like, I really hate when you do that. He's always like, tantric speech, tantric speech. I'm like, sometimes we just need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, don't use me on me. But, you know, he said to me something that was kind of profound. And I was high when he told me, so maybe it just made me go even deeper. But he was just like, it's not that, you know, and I'm not trying to interfere and maybe I shouldn't do it in that way, but you don't want her to get used to even something that you're requesting in love feel hard or feel demanding. And that's the thing with tantric speech. Like it takes a demand and it makes it a request. Consciously just by being like, please, can you please pan that to me? Can you thank you? Like, and I'd like to say I'm the queen of finesse, but with people close to me, we forget, you know, like, give me that, give me a kiss, do that for me. And so it made me really seep deeply into that statement. And it made me realize like, I generally don't, I do, I don't want, I don't like to speak this permanent, permanency over my, who I am, but I don't really have the tools sometimes to be soft because that's not how I was spoken to as a child, you know? And so I'm like, yeah, give me a kiss. And it is loving, but this is how I'm asking for it, you know? And like, just being honest with myself about how I speak to Luna, even if it's in love, how it feels, what vibration it's giving by the words I'm choosing, by not saying please or thank you because I'm feeling like I'm saying something in love. I'm actually asking for what I need, but not asking for it kindly. Mm -hmm. And it creates this weird environment around the very thing that is loving. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize like, oh my God, like this is a big issue for me because this is what I was exposed to. This is literally the only way I know how to express myself. And even for me, like asking for dick, I'm like, give me some dick. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I'm not sexy at all. You know, there's no sexy. I'm like, mm. <laughs> Take that out. <laughs> but it did. It's like it was like this this moment of clarity and I was just like, wow, I have to work on this because I don't want that to be the undertone to all of my relationships with people that I love. Mm. And that can very much be the case. But it's true. I mean, investigate and examine the places our parents came from. Even us, what we do right now, our parents are like, What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> You know, like, and I'm like, this is important. They're like, you know, you, whatever the fuck it is you guys are doing over there on stage, barely clothed. Cucumbers. Cucumbers in people's mouths with them on all fours. I don't get it. And I can see how it can be misconstrued when you come from an environment that you have not, where you've had to survive and you've had to protect yourself and you've had to be weary of people. Mm -hmm. So it's so funny. Yes, because I feel like, uh, our parents have a hard time, and not even just our parents, parents in general, sometimes have a hard time witnessing their, their, their children in play as adults, you know, because they didn't get to experience that type of play. And however, they've worked hard because they wanted to provide a life where their children could experience something different, right? And then they are experiencing it, but it's not, maybe not exactly how they expected them to experience it. And then they're like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? 
And this is a conversation I've had to have with my mom too, because there was a time where like I was traveling a lot and um, for, for leisure and she had a problem with it. And I was just like, isn't this why you've worked so hard so that I, you always complain that in your youth, well, she traveled a lot when, before she, you know, had, had me and then her life kind of went to shit. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm here no, to my say mom, no, I didn't. I did it, but my mom was pretty living a real good life okay. before me. She was dating like sheiks and shit and princes and she mm -hmm. needs to write her own book about all that. And then she met a football player and he fucking Fuck downgrade her, downgraded her from her Saudi Arabian lifestyle. Don't date athletes, guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when she had me, like, she sacrificed a lot. She didn't get to enjoy herself. She didn't get to travel for leisure. And she's worked incredibly hard to build a lifestyle for her, her family and her children so that they, they don't have to do that, you know? And so I had to remind her of that. I was like, first of all, mom, this is my money. Second of all, mom, didn't you work really hard so that we could experience and not have to suffer and not have to stay put because we have to do, because we have to put our heads down and work hard. And granted, I'm gonna do that anyway. I'm doing that anyway. I'm of you. I'm a hard ass working bitch because of you. But I had to remind her of that and she didn't even know what to say to me. She was just like, and I was like- Got me there, bitch. You mad? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny because I, 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 the more I talk to other women and they have the same thing to say about their parents as well. There's a judgment around like what type of, um, what you seek as pleasure, what you seek as joy, what you seek as fun, and and the time, there's like a time limit to how much energy you can put into those things. Like, that's a little too much. You're going a little too hard with the joy over there. Well, the thing is, and I say this all the time, and I've said this, it's joy and leisure, like ease, is a foreign concept to mm -hmm. black, black people. people. <laughs> to immigrants, to children of immigrants. It is literally a foreign concept. And because we're children of those people, we existed in their bodies before we existed in these bodies. And so we have inherited those feelings for protection. That is biologically, that's how we are made. If something, if you have lived in a life where you would be murdered for too loud play, joy, and so your kids, are born with the instincts to know you don't go too hard and play. And so I've realized like be, fighting for safety, fighting to feel safe, fighting to, to regulate my nervous system, fighting to be aware of when the guilt of play comes up because this is how I've been programmed and how my parents have been programmed and how their parents have been programmed. And that actually playing is, is, is releasing generational curses. Mm. Playing is- It's healing. It's healing generational wounds because these are the things that our ancestors did not get the opportunity to play in. And play doesn't look like this or like that. It looks like how the fuck it looks for you right. because only you can deem what's fun for you. And like even with Orlando is so happy all the time and has like so much joy and so many ideas. And sometimes I'm like working and I'm, like, shut the fuck up. It's too much right now. Like, I need to schedule your joy. <laughs> and I need to schedule your ideas because I don't have time for your ideas right now. And I didn't like that one, so now I definitely can't hear you. But it's, it's, it's made me work on myself because I'm like, I'm showing up in, as a bitch. And there was times as a kid, I saw my mom show up, which I thought was a bitch. And I was like, what the fuck is her problem? And only because I had those conscious thoughts can I apply them now. And even in love, like I'm in a very healthy, loving relationship 
And still, like the first year, I was just like waiting for him to fuck it up mm-hmm. because I don't feel safe being safe. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel normal being normal. Like we all work to have these normal lives and be able to play and be able to travel and have kids and do the thing and be, with, be in love and like be cheesy. And then you get there and you're like, something's wrong here. It doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. I'm investigating this because nigga, you're about to fuck up. Mm-hmm. But no, bitch, this is, this is what the white people are doing. This is the, this is the happily ever ever. Mm-hmm. Happily ever after. This is what it feels like. And I've really had to be like, oh, this is what it feels <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't need to stress out. Mass does not come to get me. <laughs> but you know, and even with Luna, like I don't like kid noises. I'm like, bitch, you had a kid. <laughs> and you want her to be happy. And I'm like, God, this is so noisy, your happiness. But then sometimes she's in the other room on, on FaceTime, like an old cackling lady, like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck is so funny? And I'm happy to hear her joy. And it reminds me, it's like, bring back that childlike joy. Right. Whatever you're stressed about, whatever adult shit that's so important, the fucking email or the fucking mark from fucking on brand, not sending your shit on time, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you know, it's just like, be present in the moment and enjoy it. And I've just realized, like, the practice of pleasure is so important and I'm really grateful that we get this space and this opportunity to remind ourselves to remind each other to play and also to just like check ourselves because I really feel like even if our parents think our jobs are stupid it's important for us to play so that our people see us play and remind them that you should be in love. You deserve to be in these epic romantic loves. You deserve to have fun. You deserve a cartwheel. You deserve to dance with your titties out mm-hmm. without no niggas' opinions right. because you're, you've worked for this. Being born and being existing as black and brown people, existing in this form today, right now, is enough to be, feel liberated and at ease in whatever play you choose because sexually platonically, whatever it is, because these are the dreams of our ancestors. <sighs> that was my Mila rant for the day. Amen. <clears throat> Speaking of pleasure, is it time to smoke a blunt? Is it, is it smoke break a time? Is smoke break smoke a, a blunt a time? Smoke a blunt a time o'clock? Well, we have more food coming, so it's definitely, you know niggas gotta eat smoke a I need to eat. eat so that I can open the, open is it, the stomach is, more. Is this a nigga diet? Smoke. Niggas would be like, Smoke a blend before you eat more. Yeah, absolutely. And we got, we still got, we got meals and we got bread. We got coming. more shit coming, so I think it's time for smoke a clap. <sighs> I hope you lit up with us and smoked a good, nice blunt with us during our smoke break. If not, what the fuck are you doing? I love the afternoon smoke break, dear. <clears throat> So in the spirit of our talk, today's affirmation is, fuck the fear, do it for your ancestors. Fuck the fear, do it for your ancestors. Mm -hmm. That's not like a song. Fuck the fear, do it for your ancestors. 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 Bounce. I'm like, do I, do I need to bend over? I'm like, God. I got, the, I got the private section for you, so. I mean, I could. I got the okay, ready. 
This is a remix. Fuck the fear. Do it for your ancestors. Fuck the fear. Do it for your... This is like, uh, what's the girl from New Orleans? The, the name from the New Orleans? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what's her name? Fr- Big Frida. Frida. Fuck the fear. Do it for your ancestors. Fuck the fear. Do it for your ancestors. Fuck, 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 fuck the fear. <laughs> yeah. We need to call her. Hey, Big Frida. We can film it right here. <clears throat> we can film it right here in New Orleans, LA. <laughs> Whoever knows Big Frida, tell her to call us because we got a motherfucking hit. I know nobody asked for that, but you're welcome. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. You get it anyway. Everyone just listening, you need to tune into YouTube because Erica just backed it up in a, a tight velvet dress. In the, in the middle of the restaurant. <laughs> totally necessary. <laughs> Um, I like that one. Fuck the fear. Do it for your ancestors. Every time you question yourself, question, should you, could you, is it too much? Nothing's too much, honey. Just imagine your ancestors wishing they could do half the shit that you're doing right the fuck now. Literally. Just walking down the street in freedom. Without the gaze of white folks. Sorry, I watched like a segregation movie recently. I'm Going pissed. to the bathroom. In fucking peace. Hey, you know? Yeah, I watched like a... Oh my God, it's so funny. My daughter is, uh, she's learning about, she's learned, she learns about LK every year. But she asked me um, the other day, she's like, mommy, do you know who Rosa Parks is? And I was like, of course I know who Rosa Parks is. And she's like, is she alive? I was like, no, she was, she's not alive. And then I thought to myself, this is a very crucial learning moment that I can enact on her and not be for the reasons you think. Because my daughter is a rule follower, right? Like she's a stickler for following uh, the rules. This is the time to tell her it's not. Yeah, not. she like is a stickler for following this the rules. This is an exception where it's not. Following and I was rules, like, yeah. so, honey, like you've been learning about Rosa Parks. I'm like, so what did she do? She was like, she sat somewhere she wasn't supposed to sit, and I was like, and what happened? She was like, things changed for us, and I was like, yeah, and I was like, you know. I know that you really love to follow the rules, but just imagine if Rosa Parks never sat in the front of the bus. Just imagine what would have happened. And I was like, and this is a good example of sometimes you have to say, fuck those rules and go against the rules to make the change that you want to make. And she was like, okay. And I was like, I hope she's hearing me. Like, hearing me. Like, because when I park in the fucking red, shut the fuck up. These, <laughs> these are pivotal moments in our kids' lives. I mean, shit, even for you listening, I think we all here have heard that story, all one through fifth grade, or whatever the fuck. They never stop telling it because there's no other important marks in fucking black history, but that's a joke if there are. Um, but yeah, sometimes following the rules is not what you're supposed to do. In fact, people who follow the rules make no change. Mm. So for everybody in our comments talking fucking shit, to our parents, anybody else has anything else to say about what the fuck we're doing? No change comes from well-behaved women. So when we're loud, when we're rowdy, when we're doing whatever the fuck we want, it's because we have an agenda, and that agenda is to free the people in their minds. Wait, I have one other random fact, and this is actually, this could be for today's years old. Um, And I learned this because when I was telling my daughter this, then that night we went to dinner with my cousin, and she was, Irie asked her if she knew who Rosa Parks was and if she knew how old she would be, right? Like, be at this current age, I think she'd be like, I think it was like 110 or something, 109. Rosa just died. No, she died like 15 years, 10 years ago. No. She did, look it up. She did? Yeah. I guess Irie knows. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, like, since we've been, like, recently. 
10 years ago, okay. bitch. How old you are? 25. No, bitch. That was recently. 25. 2005. See, she died even longer ago than that. She died 19 years ago, bitch. 2005 was just around the corner. I was just in 11th grade. Okay. <laughs> anyway, um, my cousin was telling me that she used to write letters to Rosa Parks and she would write her back. Really? Yes. That's so cool. I know. And she said, yeah, she wrote me back many times when I was a kid. because what? I was Yeah. David? Yeah. What the fuck? Because I was really... Why didn't I ever write in fucking Rosa Parks? I don't know. But then she said, do you know that... This is a fun fact about Rosa Parks. Did you know that the owner of Little Caesars paid her rent for like the last... For 25 years from like... She was like homeless, basically. He got her an apartment and paid her year, her rent for 10 years. She didn't even know it was him that was paying it. And then eventually she found out and he paid her rent for the duration of her life. Whoa. Yeah. It's got chills. I don't mm-hmm. even know who Mr. Little Caesar is. He's worth $6 billion and he's also dead. Can you imagine doing all you have done for history? You've been in every motherfucking history book. And, been, and being homeless? Can you imagine them writing you up in every history book and these motherfucking... The word I want to say is prop. These motherfucking crackers got you out here homeless, but they've used you and you're liking to paint this picture. Yeah, they're your pictures in every classroom. Every fucking classroom, but you can't even afford to live in this bitch. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Little, Mr. Little Caesar. Mr. Caesar. Mr. Caesar. Um, you know what? It's just a reminder to do something kind for somebody, whether they know it or not. Right. But it's like, how do you, like, wait? He was somewhere like, where is this woman at? I need to pay her rent. I mean, it's nothing. It's like nothing to him. And just imagine how many legends, how many people that have impacted our society that are like down and out, that it would be absolutely nothing for someone to come in and just fucking save their life a little bit. Speaking of this, I'm going to go dark because I have no choice in my darkness. Did you know that the five richest men in the world, there's only five, the five richest men in the world, have doubled their wealth since 2020. COVID. I know. But it's only been four years. Mm. You're the fucking fifth, five richest niggas in the world, and you've doubled that wealth since fucking COVID, Mm. you bitch-ass niggas? People are fucking starving, and then the government is giving all this money to kill people in other countries, but you fucking five fucks? You can't even spend, first of all, four out of five, three out of five of them are fucking about to die anyway if they haven't stolen 1,100 black people's organs. But we're going to get shut down for that. (laughs) But you have doubled your wealth while the rest of the world, like you could literally give that back. Right. And be perfectly fucking fine. And three of you niggas are about to die any second now. So really, you need to just let it go. I can't imagine having access to that much money. You can't even have that much luxury. And then still being like, fuck the pores. <laughs> it's wild. I can't even imagine getting that much wealth and still having hate in my heart. Mm. It's wild. Like, what do you have to hate? You rich. You might as well just give it out. I would go to all the poor countries. Take a stack. I don't know. I don't it's know. just so they wild. Might not, they might not be hateful. They might be some happy old white men. Mm-mm, I saw them. <laughs> None of them are happy. None of them are getting, they're not getting fucked, sucked. They're looking They are definitely getting fucked and sucked. They had gotten fucked and sucked a lot in their life because they paid for it. Yeah, but that's not love. That isn't, that, 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 resi- that vibrates different. Those little penises, they don't look happy at all. I saw them. <laughs> anyway, back 
to our regularly scheduled love program. Okay. You know I'm a Black Panther. Got that out? You guys know my middle name is Asada. <laughs> I, I'm kind, but deep down, I have rage. Anyway, <laughs> I've written you a love letter. Oh, I wrote you one too. Okay. In the, in the, in the spirit of love and um, friendship, we've written each other letters because that's how cheesy we are. Cheesy, and also I want you guys to consider writing a love letter to your friends because I think it's really important. And it was really, I mean, I wrote you a love letter in our book as well. Oh, yeah, you did? Did well, I read that? You should. You never read it? I don't, you know, honestly, confession, I don't know if I've read our book front to back. Mm. Have you? I mean, in the process of writing it, I have. Yeah, but that's when we're like in Costa Rica two days before a, a retreat looking for spelling. I listened to, looking for I errors. listened, I think I'm on like chapter three on Audible. Really? Wow, I never even downloaded it. I don't like to hear my own voice. Why, would, bitch? Pay us. What the fuck? Give me that. Give us the the two dollars. Like what? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess I do have a love letter to you too. Um, I, need, I need to read that book. Um, okay, so I'm an analog girl, so I wrote mine on paper. Write it. Wow, three pages. What is this? Three pages. I'm sending you a four-page letter. And I enclosed it with a kiss. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Let me get comfortable. Let me okay, get ready. ready? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cheesy. Wow. Cheese up your friends. It's very important. My sister, my bestie, my wife, my soulmate. I had no idea this life-changing love and friendship was on its way. I truly had no idea I could experience love like this in adulthood. You have truly been my mirror. Because of the love, strength, drive you exude, you showed me my own power. This love was so unexpected, yet so intentional and divine. Experiencing your love allowed me to drop guards I hadn't even realized I had up. Erica, you are beautiful, wild, emotional, strong, moody, resilient, driven, poised, powerful, Gentle, funny, silly, and fun. The amount of memories we share are endless. We, ha we have such a good range. <laughs> From the morning you drove me to Planned Parenthood at 5 a.m. when we first started, to that night you showed up at my apartment in shambles over new news, to Coachella's goddess self-coined named goddess experiences, tours, Tour shenanigans, <laughs> late nights, uh, late nights in your dining room, new boyfriends, breakups, arguments over boobs and boys, <laughs> to signing six-figure contracts. I could honestly go on for hours, but the point is, I could not imagine this life without you. I love you so deeply. This covenant, this entity is unbreakable and divine. Sharing in friendship, business, motherhood, and growth with you has been an honor, and I know God sent us each other to shake shit up and make shit happen. No matter where life takes us, I will always be here for you, to love on you, to cry with you, to fight with you. If I, that means not with you, but with you. With others. Yeah. Be their ass. <laughs> <laughs> if I ever, uh, if I ever make you feel unappreciated or unloved by me, always know that's cap. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like that? Yeah, like that. <laughs> At my core, you are truly a piece of me. I love you. I love you too. Mm -hmm. Thank you. That's beautiful.
you. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> I am not an analog girl. Well, I am actually, but it was easier in my phone. Let me tell you, Erica fucking texted me last night, like, don't forget to write my love letter. And I was like, okay. And then this morning I was like, fuck, I forgot. <laughs> I didn't forget, I just didn't schedule it. So I intentionally Ubered here so that I could write it. And then she got here and she's like, you did it already? I was like, bitch, you reminded me. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't Uber. I was driving. <laughs> you didn't take your own advice. I thought night. maybe I was going to do it on the whim. You know how like people when they accept their ex- acceptance speech yeah. and then they try to do it on the whim and then they fuck it up and then they're mad because they should have said thousand, thousand thank yous. But then I said, no, let me write this shit down. Okay. <clears throat> Jamila. God knew I needed this friendship and the sisterhood back when I stalked you on Instagram in 2015. Never in my wildest dreams could I have imagined that we would have created a relationship that has not only comforted me in my darkest hours, but blossomed and expanded my life in ways I didn't even think possible. The moment I saw you, you were a mirror to me, a mirror to the things that I denied to myself and also a mirror in the similarities that we share and I had been searching for in a friend. Our friendship has shown me Our friendship has shown me how crucial it is for women to have at least one woman in their life that they love just as much as the person they choose to share their body, time, and heart with. You have protected me more than any man has. You have championed me more than my family members have. You have been patient with me like a mother is patient to her child. You have shown me that you love me over and over even when you think you haven't because you think you're not good at that part. You have been a shoulder to cry on and a person I call to share all my good and bad choices with. Just like people choose to spend their life with someone and see no end in sight of their love, I see no no end in sight for ours. I'm committed to this friendship for life. And even when we have children or get married, just know you'll always be my wife and I'll always be here for you no matter how dark or light it gets. You are my soulmate, and God did her motherfucking thing (laughs) when she summoned us together. Uh I want nothing more than for you to be successful in all your endeavors with me and outside of me. I want you to continue to experience juicy sex, soul-filling love in all your relationships, and to share your magic everywhere you go, to be exactly as you are, titties, oversharing, and all. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for sharing your love and life with me. Happy Valentine's Day, my love. Cheers to many more. Oh, happy Valentine's Day. (laughs) I love you. Wow. I'm an emotional bitch. <laughs> I cry a lot. I'm trying to hold it together because I don't know if this water is, this mascara is waterproof. Is it? I think it, it looks like it. Okay. It's holding up. Okay. I told you I Googled it. I Googled the <laughs> best mascara, but I don't think I looked up waterproof. You researched the shit out of this mascara. You know I'm a researching ass bitch. Wait, is my makeup fucked up now? No, just, just dry a little hair. Okay. Wait, speaking of research, because I did do some research and I wanted to share some fa- facts about why it's so important for women to have friends and why this relationship in particular has been so healing, has been so like beneficial to my health overall in general. Because mm-hmm. I was really curious. I was like, what is... Like, what are the stats around, like, female friendships? Mm. And it was so interesting, the things that I found. What did you find? Okay, I'm going to tell you. Um, I found that, so it says, how long does the average female friendship last? Recent research actually tells us that the average female friendship lasts 16 years, which is six years longer than the average romantic (laughs) relationship. If a friendship lasts longer than seven years, psychologists say it will last a lifetime. We're nine years in. 
So we're just, yeah. It's done. It's done. <clears throat> um, and then there's this, apparently there's this like, I don't know, this rule around friendship. It's the 80-20 rule of friendship. It says 80% of, 80 of the value of your friendships will come from 20% of your friends. For example, you might have 10 casual friends, but probably only two or three are dark hour friends. Like the person right. you call in the dark, darkest of your hour. These friends will support you through tough times and stay with you without any selfish benefit. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like how many women in general think they have an 80 percentage of friends like that really would be there but then things happen like for example you have a child right like there's so many women that encounter this when you have a kid and you're like where the fuck are all my friends and you realize like your friend group gets substantially smaller when you have these like we have these rites of passage in your life whether that's in death whether that's in birth whatever it is when you need that support and I was like, I think a lot more women need to really take inventory of like their Who's friends. Who? Like, do you have an 80-20? Do you even have 20? You know? I think the, the, the fucked up part about this, cause like when I, <clears throat> as you talk about this, I'm thinking about particular times in my life where I've, I have some friends that I've known my whole life and that I've just like gone to in certain situations and they did not show up in the way I thought that they would. And like how deeply devastating that was for me. Like my cancer fucking self can't take it. But I think when I met you, or when we start to start this and like rekindle this friendship, I was in a place that I didn't realize, like I really was like, not fuck bitches, cause I'm really a girl's girl, but I was in need of like a friendship, that dark hour friendship in the way that I thought I had and I didn't. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was like, I was in a time where I had lost, I was not in my relationship with my baby daddy that I had been with for years. And I was going through really hard times and the people I thought that were gonna really show up for me did not. And it was difficult. And then when I found you, I was like, A, I didn't think that there was a time where I could find a friend of this depth. At just, this age? At this age. Mm. I was like, these are the friends I got. <laughs> this is what I got. <laughs> this is what I gotta deal with these bitches. <laughs> I'm like, they're getting my nerves, but I don't have any other choice. I'm like, I have no friends. So I think there are times like where you showed up for me and I was like, oh shit, like this is different than that. And I can, I can release that part of me that doesn't expect that love or doesn't, you know, want to count on a person to show up in their darkest hour. But I think that was one of the things that was extremely shifting for a relationship. Because I think when you start an adult friendship, it is with caution you know like who is this bitch mm -hmm. who are you like what do you really want do you, you know do we fuck the same people yeah like do you <laughs> know okay um but when you started to show up for me you know because inevitably it doesn't start that way but when things start real shit started to happen and you continued continued to be there like i got an abortion the first year that the this fucking show started and it was with a nigga across country i didn't have no business having a baby with and thank god my inner witch said bitch Shishmorshin. <laughs> For real. And Erica took me to Planned Parenthood at like 5 a.m. I wrote about this in the book with fucking Irene in the back seat. And I was like, looked over, like, this bitch is really my friend. And there was no judgment, there was no questions. And like, I was like, you could just let, you could just let me out here. And you're like, no, I'm gonna come in. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Don't you think I was gonna just leave you there? In the lobby, like, I'm fucking 15 in the fucking Planned Parenthood. But 
I didn't, even if though I wanted to get out of the car and deal with it myself, you didn't let me. And I needed that, you know, I really needed someone to be like, even if you don't ask for it. <laughs> I'm so emotional. Even if you don't ask for it, I'm gonna be here, you know? And I think that's the difference. I think as women, especially as black women, you've been so strong and you've dealt with shit by yourself. It's like, I got this, but when someone is like, you got it, but I'm here still. Mm -hmm. those, are the, those are the shifting points. Mm -hmm. And I think because we are so strong and because we deal with shit so often alone, or we're programmed in this like hyper independence that we don't expect it. And so when we, we don't know how to receive it. And so I think this relationship has really allowed me to take inventory of that and then receive it. And then also be like, you can do it, but you don't have to, you know? And those are the type of friendships I think that are divine and that are, you know, life-changing. And this has been a life-changing relationship. And we've come up on some magical fucking, I don't know, like, I don't know what the fuck I'm worried I'm looking for. <laughs> fucking gem, you know, some treasure that has, um, has like allowed us to rebirth in this phoenix uh -huh. with each other, you know? And I think that women really have the, the, ability to do that for each other mm. we are so magical we birth people and so when we bring that magic and you know that co-creation that sex energy without the sex you guys you know that creative energy then something really magical and powerful can be exchanged and be created and i think we are a living proof of that mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. like literally cook some shit up in the kitchen and here we are so yeah, that 80-20 shit is real. Yeah, I think it is too. And I think about just um, leaving my friends outside. Like, well, my friends outside of this are also your friends outside of this. But I, I even, I even like, I'm like, damn, I'm blessed because it's, I got like, it's more like 40, 60 for me. Like, I have a very solid, beautiful group of friends that I know that I can rely on for different things and, and also everything, too, at the same time. Like, I know which friend is, is maybe more gifted in supporting me in this way or that way or this way, but ultimately, each and every one of them, the ones I really choose to call my friends and sisters, are going to Pick show up phone. for me no matter what. Absolutely. You know, and I realize how, I know how rare that is. I know how how isolating it is. And I know that because of so many people that, well, I know because myself, I mean, I've, I've, I've always had a, a, a group of friends, but it wasn't until I had my daughter that I realized I didn't have, I was more leaning on like the 1090. Um, and, and then just within this work and talking to so many women and then being like, I ain't got nobody. Like, I don't even know where to begin. And so I think like uh, what the beautiful thing that our entity has created has, has, been this birthing of a, a community where women who don't have friends can find each other. And it does require you to get uncomfortable. It does require you to go out on a limb. It may not be um, like seamless. You may not just find your bestie walking down the street and that's your fucking storyline. Like, no, you might have to really nurture that relationship. And that brings me to my last statistic. <laughs> okay, statistic queen. It takes about 11 different encounters mm. that, are, that are 
each three hours long over a period of six months to turn an acquaintance into a real friend. That makes sense. I think by the time, like, between March and, shit, August, which is when, like, I got that abortion, we, when we started the podcast, we probably had not spent three hours consecutively together. I don't think so. That first episode was probably the, like, the beginning the beginning of us spending that may have been our second time spending three hours together mm-hmm. and the first two were a photo shoot and a shopping <laughs> no, i'm not joking like yeah i'm probably the one time i went to the club but that doesn't count when we're talking right but honestly you know though like this this exact space you know obviously not physically here but good mom's bad choices were the three-hour conversations over a six-month period that took our relationship from zero to best friends mm-hmm. quickly and you know i have other friends who just like start texting me a lot their business and i was like oh okay i guess we're friends you know and i'm that type of bitch but i realized that women have a hard time being vulnerable and women have a hard time like i think you know i say at for black women a lot because i'm a black woman that's all i know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the only experience i have but we've also been very much conditioned to like don't tell your business mm-hmm. and to show up a certain way and to like our shit has to be together. You know what I mean? And there's been times in our relationship where like I knew we were dealing in different realms, but I still felt comfortable enough to tell you. Right. Like my car got repossessed in front of Erica's house and I was embarrassed, but I didn't. I, this is where I was at. And I had a friend who wasn't going to judge me. Or, and I felt embarrassed and I felt ways, but it wasn't like, it was never, it's never been judgment. It's like, oh, I got pregnant by this dumbass guy. It's never been judgment. It's like, bitch, what are we going to do? And how are we going to, how are we going to heal you? You know, what can I do for you? And I think that we, we fuck ourselves a lot, not being able to show up as ourselves, you know, vulnerable, fucked up. Sometimes it's not beautiful. And I'm one of those people who really wants to present as everything is okay because I don't want too much of your attention because I think it's weird and I can deal with it by myself but it does require that you kind of let go of that perfection that perfectionism in order to be vulnerable in a friendship in a real way and connect yeah yeah because we all have some shit you have to you have to if you if you really say you want the 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 friendship or the friend group that you desire there is a disarming that has to happen or else you can just have a bunch of you can just have a bunch of 80 friends and you'll be in that group too. You're gonna to be the 80 friend to a lot of bitches. And you won't, you won't, you're not even part of the 20%. But then when you actually need somebody, you'll have, you'll, you won't even feel comfortable calling any of those bitches. Right. And, and that is, um, that's, of all of the things that we've, um, that we've cultivated, like our friendship is my most proud, like the thing I'm most proud of. And like, it really is a marriage. Me too. You know, it really is a marriage. Like we've put in the work and we are constantly finding new ways to better our friendship so that we can keep doing the work for the community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, let's cheers to that. You don't barely have nothing to drink. Me either, I guess. Cheers to forever friendship and to being vulnerable in them. And being honest. And sharing the message of sisterhood. Mm. So I brought um, couples. We're not really strangers because we're a couple. <laughs> Actually, they're sending us some stuff. I saw that in this our DMs. Is, yeah, I wish they'd send us some money. 
What have you been extra sensitive to lately? Hmm, what have I been extra sensitive to lately? Uh, mm, I feel like it's the same shit I'm always sensitive about. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which is? So, um, I, th I think I'm very sensitive about um, how I parent and like how I show up as a parent. Really? Yeah, when people have opinions, like my mom. Oh, okay. Um, I think I've also been extra sensitive to touch, physical touch. Mm -hmm. I think because I, I mean, I'm, I'm a touchy type of bitch anyway with, with men, not so much women, which I, I know, like I'm always trying to work on. Um, why are you laughing at me? <laughs> why are you laughing at me? Like with women? I know. <laughs> it's just funny. Um, I feel very, I think my heart is very sensitive. It's very sensitive, it's very open because after my last relationship, I told myself I'm not like closing myself off um, and I wasn't going to like harden myself and that was also the message I got last year when I also tried to end my relationship <laughs> was like, I'm not. When you should have? When I should have, uh -huh. yeah, and I did it and then I got that voice and the voice told me, bitch, your lesson's not over and then I went back and then it was like, okay, you got it. <laughs> Lesson is received. Got it? We got it. 11 months later, got it. We got it. It was really important. <laughs> it was. It was. Um, I think I'm just very sensitive to energy in general. So I feel like I can feel people's energy even more so than before. And like the other day, Mila asked me if I'm an empath and I like took a very long time to answer. And then she was like, well, you're not, bitch. <laughs> And I was like, but I think I am, and I think there's a spectrum of like what empathy looks like for people and how deeply impacted you are by um, people's energy. And mine is mine shows up differently. Like some people cry very easily, right? Like, and I can like me, and I can and I can cry. I can cry easily too, depending on what what it is. What week it is. Mm -hmm. But I think just in general, right now, I feel like just very sensitive to energy and people overall. What about you? Uh, yeah, I am always sensitive to energy and people, but um, yeah, I think that I am hypersensitive, but I think I'm really sensitive to myself, whereas I'm like on this deep investigative journey into why I am the way I am and how I show up and being really conscious of the thoughts that I have. And honestly, like, like I've said this to you, like even thoughts like, about you or in a relationship or thinking you're mad at me or even just like how I respond to situations and like I think that it's been I'm sensitive to it because now I'm it's time to do this work but I think it's also like the hardest work I've ever had to do not changing myself but being open to change about how I show up and even my thought process and like you know recognizing when thoughts are negative or, and like, or if I'm feeling jealousy, mm -hmm. you know? And then I'm like, bitch, you need to do air element, you know? Like I had this crazy, it's so ridiculous. I don't want to admit it and out loud. It was so dumb. But immediately I was like, bitch, you need to do air element. Like <laughs> you need to sit down. And it helped, you know? But it was just like a ridiculous thought. It was very childish and I had to check myself, and so I just think that I'm in this this space where I was like, I don't know if you were hanging out with somebody, and I was like, jealousy. Or Me? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Who are you? What? I don't know. It was stupid. I recently. <laughs> it was like the last few weeks, hmm. but I had to like 
check it. You know what I mean? Like, where is this coming from? Like, you're, it's literally made up. Mm. And and just just being cognizant of that, you know, and just like all those things. So I think I feel honored. <laughs> she was jealous. Shut up. <laughs> I'm not the bitch I spend every waking moment with. Psycho. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just really extra sensitive about me lately. Mm. Like how I show up and who I am. My turn? Sure. What's something we used to do at the beginning of our, what is something we used to do at the beginning of our relationship that you miss the most? I picked that up. Yeah. I don't think we do anything that. Nothing. <laughs> it's never happening again. Mm, I guess hang out alone. Hang out by ourselves more. Mm -hmm. I think like when we hang out, there's always a lot of people around. Mm -hmm. It's either like we're with our group of friends or we're working or there's someone behind the camera or Orlando's there or whatever it is. Like I think that I miss hanging out with you one-on-one -on -one more. I was gonna say working, I mean not working out, hanging out without it being work-related or not having to talk about anything work-related, like not, not doing nothing, but kinda. Yeah. Kinda, mm -hmm. you know, because there was a time where like, we're just doing this when it was time to do this and then we just hang out. Mm -hmm. But now it's like everything revolves around this machine that we've created and like how it can improve and how it can be better and how we can make more money and like, are we making money yet? Not enough. Do we pay ourselves yet? Do, nope. <laughs> you know, never paying, you know, and it's just like, um, a consciousness that has overtaken, not overtaken the friendship because it's so deeply tied together, but yeah, like where we can just kind of um, decompress and separate these two things, um, which is difficult because our friendship is our business and vice versa, but yeah, like just being in the backyard naked, smoking weed, doing nothing. We can do more of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, summer's coming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more. In what ways is this relationship unlike any other before? <laughs> so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, I think the level of like vulnerability I've been able to, that's been able to exist in this, I think also just, and, and vulnerability even in like my deepest insecurities about our relationship and being able to say that out loud to you and um, on multiple occasions, and probably I could do it even more, honestly. Um, and so I think like I've never experienced that with a woman. I might have experienced that with a man because women were really good at telling niggas how we feel. But with women, we don't really do that. And so I would say that like being able to do that, I think also um, being naked a lot, because I don't really have a lot of friends that I would have been able to do that with. I mean, I think I, I've always felt pretty comfortable in my body and being naked. I think that comes from my mom because she was really she was nude a lot in the house, even though now she acts like that never existed. But, <laughs> but um, there's like a, the freedom of like just I think existing in my body um, is something that I never really got to do with any woman in my life like that. Thanks. Um, I think in what ways this relationship is unlike any other before, I think that we have been able to um, yeah, grow together, consciously heal together and like be vulnerable about the things that we're healing and where we're at and also just make the rules. 
You know, like we've really made the rules in our relationship and there's been no blueprint. And it's like, you wanna party this guy? Okay. <laughs> wanna party your friend's boyfriend with her permission? Okay. <laughs> you know, and like, oh, like, just whatever it is. Like, you think I should, do you think we should send this guy a picture of us in our lingerie and see if he'll come on our show? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Van Lathan. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks, man. I, 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 wait, wait, not wait, not this being Mila's tactic because Mila was like, we gotta get Cat Williams on our show. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. She was like, I have a tap. We have to run that tactic back. I was like, do you think we should send the pictures in our lingerie, or do you think it's too thirsty now? It's gonna be too thirsty. It worked back in 2018. Did I? I don't think I sent it. I told Nellie, and she was like, no. <laughs> you can't ask people. You can't ask normal people. You can't. They don't no, understand. No, you got. Yeah, no, no. You know, remember, pull pull Cat's DMs up. And listen. <laughs> Um, if anything's something, <laughs> Kat is gonna understand the call. Sent. Just like, just like Van did. <laughs> Fucking Van, where is he? Oh okay. my god. Um, but yeah, like just making the rules and just knowing that I can be my full, complete self here, naked, titties out, your boyfriend there, your new boyfriend there. I don't care what boyfriend this is. <laughs> And just like be full blown myself and know that you have my back and that there's no weird energy. <sighs> amen. 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 Um, so our meals are about to come out because bitches are very hungry now that we smoked. And Erica has been dying. I mean fucking dying. Erica and Luna for us to do ASMR. And wait, side note, the other night I was in the bathtub with Luna and she goes, she made me watch ASMR and I was like, is she whispering the whole time? And she's like, yeah. So she's like, let's, she, who do you want to watch, you? And I was like, no. And she puts us in. She goes, good mom's bad choices with kids. And I was like, no, it's called the forest is a pharmacy. She's like, oh yeah. And then I was like, why do you want to watch this? She's like, so you can see like if you mess up. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, you can just need to watch yourself to see if you mess up. Shoot. I was okay, Lou. I was like, but I'm being myself. I don't think I can mess up. <laughs> she, and I was like, is she right? Do I need to like watch to see what I do weird? Like, I, you know what it is, you guys, to be completely honest? I am so, I wouldn't say insecure, but I am so overly conscious that I don't want to watch it at all because I don't want to have any attachment if I don't like it. Mm. I literally just be like, it's done. <laughs> I can't have a booger in my nose. I can do some fucked up shit. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not having it. I'm not looking at it because I don't like to rewatch. I don't like to re-listen. I probably listened to 18% of our episodes mm -hmm. in the last six years. Mm -hmm. But when she said that, I was like, she's smart. <laughs> I could have been improving the last six years, but I've avoided myself because it's too scary. Not too scary for you, too scary for me. <laughs> So we finally, for Erica, because we are here eating, we are gifting the people what you've always been dying for. Us eating and doing ASMR. <laughs> so um, if you want to make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because we're going to create another channel for ASMR because all my ASMR dreams are finally Wait, wait, hold your horses. I don't think we're creating another channel. We are creating a channel. She doesn't know it yet, but we're creating a channel. The channel's happening, and it's what's going to take our YouTube to the next level. Just you fucking wait. Just you wait. I mean, we're going to become YouTube fucking stars on the rise. We're going to get that plaque? Yeah, we're going to get a plaque that's going to see a million views, and it's going to be that ASMR video of you slurping on fucking charboiled oysters. It's going to be like longer nails or something. Okay, but anyway. 
We love you. Thank you for sitting through this love fest of Erica and I. Remember to love on your friends. Remember to write your friends a love letter. Order fucking Are We Really Strangers and get to know your lovers and your wives and your friends better. And rate and review this fucking episode. And also download it. I don't know if you know this. We don't get streams unless people are downloading. So it's, this is not based on listens. It's based on downloads. So if you haven't downloaded the episode, review it, leave a comment, download it, because that's what actually matters. Even if you have to delete it later, honestly. Um, you know where to find us. Good moms underscore bad choices on Instagram. Goodmomsbadchoices.com for everything good moms. We're coming to a city near you very soon. We have retreats lined up. We have merch. We have good looks. And now we have ASMR. So don't play yourself. Treat yourself. Tap it. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.